Welcome to Made It Happen podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Hafling. Made It Happen is a podcast series highlighting female founders who took a chance and launched their own business. Through interviews with female entrepreneurs, Made It Happen is dedicated to inspiring others through stories of those who've experienced going out on their own firsthand, discussing all the highs and the lows. It can be easy to see the glamorous side of starting your own business through the internet and social media, but what does it really take behind the scenes to launch and run your own successful business? Listen in for tangible tips and advice for growing your business from those who have been there. Hear how these inspiring female founders made it happen. Are you a business owner looking to establish yourself as an expert in your industry, reach new audiences and build brand awareness, and form more personal connections with your current customers? It seems like a no-brainer, right? But how do you do this? Enter podcasting. The podcast industry has been growing rapidly over the past few years and doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon. After starting Made It Happen, I saw the power podcasting can have, and I want to help other entrepreneurs and businesses do the same. Enter Elevate Podcast Co., a podcast agency helping entrepreneurs and businesses have their voices heard and elevate their brand. We support launching and growing podcasts to connect with your audience, build authority, and amplify your business. Through podcast coaching, management, and our portable podcast studio, we will help you reach your podcast goals. You can visit us at elevatepodcastco.com as well as in the show notes and book your free discovery call to learn more. Okay, so today I am joined by Claire Kui. So thank you so much for joining me here today, Claire. Oh, Sarah, so glad to be here and be with your listeners. So exciting. Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm excited to be speaking with you. And so how about we start off with having you just tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background and how you got started in your career. Yeah. So I am a sales coach and expert, and I help solopreneurs to close sales more consistently with confidence and authenticity, authenticity using permission-based sales. And yeah, I have been doing this since 2014. And uh, by working with solopreneurs, service-based providers, and also online coaches is mainly who I serve. And it's sales is a huge passion of mine, which is pretty funny because most people cringe at the thought of doing sales. And it's really something that to me is a bit of a, it's a spiritual practice to be quite honest. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I know that this, like sales and selling is a huge part of any business. And so it's really great that, you know, you're able to offer those services for it. Cause I think it's, it's just so, so huge and no matter what you do. And so how did you first get into sales in the first place? Was this something you'd work in previously or how did you first get into that space? Uh, well, I first got into it. Well, I right out of college, I was in the fitness industry. I was a personal trainer, strength coach, and yoga teacher. If you go to my Instagram, um, Claire underscore Quee, if you scroll like and just go deep, go deep in the rabbit hole, you can actually see that I was posting a lot of yoga pictures. And the truth was, and since I was out of college, and I'm not going to say the date of that, but <laughs> it's a while ago. But I essentially had been in sales. I was selling my own fitness stuff and personal training. And the reality was I sucked. I sucked at sales. And what I found to be really ironic, and I still find ironic, was that I I had some major street cred as a fitness professional. I was 
the only female head strength and conditioning coach for Denver public schools for about five years. I uh, was a Lululemon ambassador for about two years. And I was also a writer, model, contributor for Yoga Journal, which is uh, the international publication. Like it's it's really the foremost yoga publication uh, out there. And even though I had this amazing street cred, my business was just not thriving in that sense. And I hit a bit of a bottom. I, I was doing my taxes in 2014. And I just remember this so clearly. It was 2014 and I looked at my tax return and I had made $14,000 that year. That year. And I I was just so frustrated. I was so frustrated because I was basically living at a poverty level. Uh, and I hit a bit of a bottom. I, I, I got a tax bill that I just couldn't it was like $3,000. And I remember walking out to my car and getting in my car and just feeling the weight of defeat. And I said to myself, it may as well be 30,000. I I couldn't figure out how I could get $3,000 to pay this tax bill. So not so long after I hired my first business coach, which was the, the cost of this business coach was around the same as my car payment. In fact, it was a little bit more. But I realized in this rock bottom, the, I have to move upward. Like the only way to go is up. And if I don't figure out how to do business, I need to go work at Target. Like I need to get a job. I need to do something outside of what I was really passionate about. And I hired a coach and through learning how to sell authentically, I had my, within three months, I had my first 6K month. Now, if you remember, I was making 14K a year a $6,000 month was like, it was astronomical. It literally exploded my perceptions and my beliefs around money and what was possible. So, um, I started growing my business. I was doing, moving online with my fitness stuff, but the, the reality was that my business coaches saw that I was doing so great in sales that they hired me. They hired me to run their sales department, which was by the way, just me at that point. <laughs> but at, through doing that, I started getting acquired by other teams in the coaching industry to run their teams, train their teams, be part of their teams. And uh, th- those are some of the entrepreneurs like Rachel Bell, Lisa Nichols, Sage Levine. And um, yeah, I still am leading and training teams for seven-figure, multi-seven-figure entrepreneurs. And uh, I just had an event where I was training a sales team and it's all women. And we, we made about 2.3 million in three days. So, um, I know a thing or two about having authentic sales and how to convert really well. And just, if you are struggling with sales, I've been there. (laughs) Wow. That's, that's incredible. I mean, going from, from, yeah, 14,000 a year to now like 15,000 a month, it just like the, a big transition. I think one big part of that too, like you had said, was investing in a business coach, which I think as, as business owners, sometimes we're so scared to invest in ourselves, but I think if we don't invest in ourselves, then no one else is who's going to want to invest in us. Right. So I think that that's a huge step. And can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, what was that transition from, you know, the four, 14,000 a year to 6,000 a month? Um, I know there's probably a lot that went into it and, and a lot of changes, but is there, can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, what really was this big pivot? 
Yeah, I love that question. The big pivot, and this is what I learned. And, you know, there's a lot of business coaches out there. That's a very, you know, you could, in fact, I make this joke all the time. Like you can go outside and spit on a business coach. Like there's just so many out there. But one thing that really resonated for me um, in this transition from 14K a year to 14K months was that learning how to sell. And, and this is, there are other gurus out there. I'm not here to make anybody wrong, but for me, I was not so keen on marketing. Like I was still really shy about it. And what had literally shifted for me in my first 6K month was I was still in a fitness industry. I was teaching yoga. And what I learned was that I, I didn't have to go out and market if I could just get one client, if I could sell one client. $3,000 a month. I was like, Oh my God, if I can make $3,000 a month, I'll pay my rent. I'll have groceries. Like it just was like so much. I have more to like, I can actually buy a pair of yoga pants for myself. So it really was an understanding that the marketing didn't matter. In fact, when I, when I look inside other bigger companies and even solopreneurs, if they learn how to convert, you don't need to market that much. You don't need to post five times a day. And like, if you could just convert one person at a, at a, at a price that is really reflecting your value and your worth anywhere from two or $3,000, if you can sell that person, then for most entrepreneurs, that's like, that's just a godsend to be able to sell one person. So for me, the big pivot was in understanding that selling is really the key. And this, I use this saying all the time, and you can write this down if you're listening, but you either have a business or you have a hobby. (laughs) You either have a business or you have a hobby. And what makes a business is sales. You need to know how to sell. And for me, it was just like a kind of, it felt very harsh when I first heard that, but it's really, that's the reality. I was kind of dabbling. I was dabbling in what I did and talking about it, explaining what I did to people. And sales is really the key because if you want a business, you need to sell. Yes, absolutely. I definitely agree. And I think that that is such a great point. One, one, of, the, one of the things you mentioned there too was accurately pricing your services and then you know selling that service as it is worth. And do you have any advice on how can we accurately price services? And especially when it is that high value service, how do you really know, you know what your service is worth or what you feel your time is worth? Right. I love this question. And what's been really interesting to me uh, in the past year, so I've been really attracting like highly, highly, um, uh, high level experts, I would call them. Uh, For example, I've got three physical therapists. One is a specialist in holistic nutrition. Um, What is it called? Functional medicine. Uh, I've got an actual, another chiropractor in my, in my service, in my client list. And I'm like, I'm listening to these people uh, and I'm like, oh my God, you spent so much time, energy and money on getting your certificate. And these, their clients are like completely changed and they are charging. I mean, sometimes when I hear what they're charging, it's my jaw drops. I'm like literally in shock about how little they're valuing their services. And you don't have to have a PhD or an MD. This is also for you because when I, when I was starting to charge more, and just to give you an idea, I used this strategy when I was first starting out of, uh, this is my brilliant strategy, okay? I was, I'm going to charge the least amount. I'm going to charge so little. 
like, I'm going to run this special. I'm going to charge like $30 an hour, which if, if I did the math and I did the math, basically I was working for $5 an hour because I was paying rental in a space, gas, getting there. Like I was basically making five or $10 an hour after I was charging $30 an hour to a client. And what was shocking to me is nobody bought it. I put like an ad out there and everything. And it was like, it's just like a, a gut punch. I can't even, even right now it's visceral. I couldn't believe that nobody was taking me up on it. So what I learned from my personal experience, what I've learned from coaching other clients to start selling, going from $35 an hour to $3,000, $5,000 for a package. The key here is about learning how to talk about what you do in a way that builds value. And that is like, I know that kind of be, that can be jargony nowadays. Like everybody talks about building value, but it really is in how you clearly communicate what they get. And I'm not talking like, we're going to do a, I don't know, like a reading and like none of that stuff. It's really about how you explain what they get in the, in the benefits portion that really makes the difference. So yeah, when I started to learn that piece and to be able to teach clients, that's how you really are able to start charging more. And not only that, that's just the strategy piece of it. Here's the kicker. And this is the perfect place for me to share this. People will only value you. They will only pay you as much as you believe you're worth. Mic drop. I'll say that again. People will only pay you as much as you in your heart believe you're worth. And so a lot of the work that I do with clients, it's about really understanding that your value, your services are so valuable. And it doesn't matter to me who out there is listening. If you are in the fitness industry, if you are a counselor, if you are a life coach, a purpose coach, in fact, one of my most successful clients who is a purpose and life coach, she's now closing 80 to hundred percent of her clients. So out of every 10 calls, she's getting eight clients at double or triple her rates now. So, and that is because not only does she learn the strategy, but she also learned how to share her value in a way that is clear in a way where she could really believe in it so that she could completely change her business and her life. Wow. That's, that's incredible. And I think especially the one where you mentioned it twice there about, you know, it's only how much you think you're valued. That's what people are going to pay you, which is so true. And you mentioned there too, you know, if people aren't charging what they're worth, I think increasing prices is also hard for many people. And so how do you recommend, you know, going about that? Because, you know, once you realize, okay, this is what I'm worth, increasing prices might be, might be hard for some people. Do you have any advice on that part? Oh, I do. I do. And I also, you know, this is, we only have a certain amount of time here. And I just want to say like, yes, these are general pieces and strategies you can use. And uh, but here's what I can say about starting to charge more. It really, again, is about how you connect with the client, number one, how you establish a relationship with them just in the simple conversation that you're having. Uh, and when you lay out your services, which is a huge part in my 90-day program, where how do you actually lay out for them in a clear, concise way 
where they can actually see what they're getting. And they're like, oh my gosh, I want this. Take my credit card. They sign up without hesitation. It really is about how you talk about your services. It is about how you explain them. And it's really a dance. I, I really believe in, uh, and, and if you're a coach out there, all of you really know half of this game, more than half, 80% of it is your mindset around it. And when your clients want, let's just, I'll use the gym as an analogy because it's like my favorite thing and it's so easy to think about, but you can have the best workout plan, the best workout plan. But if you do not have the mindset to make the space and make going to the gym a priority, it doesn't matter how great the plan is. Your mindset ha- is what gets you to the gym. It is, in no pun intended, it's what's doing the heavy lifting, right? Your mindset is so important here. So when it comes to starting to charge more, you've got to flex your inner muscles. So the strategy here, and strategy, I talk about strategy and mindset a lot. Because it's really two wings of a bird. Strategy is one wing. The mindset's the other wing. You need both to take flight. And so you have the strategy about like, how do I talk about my services? Which is again, like so much of what I teach my clients. But the other piece here is in flexing, just I'm full of these fitness analogies today, flexing the, the muscle inside of you, which is knowing that you have spent time, you have spent energy You've spent your life force in getting your expertise. And if you're like, uh, I don't know about that, Claire, let me prove you wrong. So if you are, for example, a, a life coach, right? You have had probably years of life experience, years of doing meditation practices, communication practices, self-awareness, self-love practices. If you really got down in the nitty-gritty and you got real with yourself about how much time or energy or tears, or you put into getting to where you're at, that is valuable, right? And one of the things I think coaches don't realize is you only have to be one step ahead. You only have to be one step ahead of your clients because that's, that is what's important. People don't need you to have gone to Harvard for seven years People don't care about that. People, what what they care about is that they deeply resonate with you and your story and they deeply resonate and will pay you if you can communicate with them in a way that is authentic, aligned, and shows them that you can help them get to the next step. That's how you start charging more. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's such great advice. And I know that, you know, it, it is a challenge for many people, but I think, like you said, knowing your value and really the way that you're selling your services is so important. And, you know, with that too, can we talk a little bit about, cause I know this is definitely a struggle for many women that I've spoken with, you know, bringing that feminine side into sales, embracing sales as a woman. Cause I know that, you know, it, it does have, sometimes it, it has that old fashioned way of selling. Um, so like how can people come into this, you know, without being, you know, too salesy, let's say. Right. And I, I love this. And, um, my, my home team, I'll call them, we are a, a large business uh, training f- program for women. And I've been working with all women, training all women sales teams since 2014. And uh, first of all, I want to make, I just want everybody to realize that sales isn't bad. And the, the reality, and this is like a d- different soapbox, but the reality is that we've been taught models by men. 
because right now we're just in a, and I think things are starting to shift a little bit, but we're, we're in a society where the, those who are in power and that's typically white men have been teaching how us, how to do things. So the model that's in front of us is a very, you know, masculine model. And there's movies out there. It's like, coffee for closers and buy this now. Or if you've gone to a car dealership, I'm sure you've seen the masculine model at work. And I'm not here to demonize or make that wrong because in order for us to heal as a culture, we also have to allow the masculine to heal. And there are times where in, in our businesses, we need to contract just like when we have a baby, you know, there's contractions, literal, and that's what the masculine does. And so I do think there, you need to have balance. You need to have balance. And so if the masculine model is to push, 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 the normal reaction for women at this phase is to be, oh, I don't want to push. I don't, it's scary. But we were meant, ladies, we were meant to contract and to expand. So I, I want to invite, like the masculine isn't wrong. In times in our life, we need to contract the biggest contraction we have is to have a baby when we're crowning, like we got to push. And on the flip side of that, it doesn't mean in a sales conversation that we have to be so aggressive and make somebody make a decision. When I teach from a feminine model, it is about this, this contract, expand, contract, expand, this flow within the conversation where you're just truly showing the alignment. You're not there to make anybody make a decision. You're not there to coerce or convince you are there to show the alignment and to, I, I call it using permission-based sales where you're, you're asking, it's a dialogue. It's not this monologue where you're pointing your finger in their face and sign on a dotted line. It is about learning how to flow in the conversation and it has a little, it has some structure, but when you understand structure, that's where you are allowed to flow. And here's what I notice happens with a lot of women that are like, I only want to do the feminine way and I want to teach it this way. This is, this will resonate for a lot of us, but the feminine is flow, right? Flow, ease, grace. Like we think of water and the masculine model is rigid. Like literally if you think about the anatomy, right? Flow, soft, pliable, masculine anatomy, firm, hard, you know, get in there. And when we dance with both, when we think of water, water with no structure is a puddle. It's just flat, not a lot of energy, not a lot of direction, just bleh. But when water, when the feminine has structure, when the feminine has riverbanks, when water has riverbanks, literally the water can change the face of the earth, like the Grand Canyon. So I do teach from more in the feminine model, but it is this mix. It's a balance of the masculine and the feminine, but we aren't taught how to introduce that feminine energy with structure. So when we, when we talk about that, again, I'm not making the masculine wrong. We need riverbanks. We need structure, but also allowing us to flow in the conversation, make it more of a dialogue, make things aligned so that things flow. Yes, absolutely. I, I definitely see what you mean. I, th I think you painted such like a clear picture where people can really understand sort of how, why we need those two sides. And I think it's so important. And, you know, with that too, I think part of 
part of in sales is, is the follow-up. And so can you talk about a little bit about, you know, how important is a follow-up on a sale? And also how do you know when it's time to, you know, move on from that potential sale? I love this question. And there's a saying that I always tell my sales teams and solopreneurs, but the fortune is in the follow-up, the fortunes in the follow-up. And I, I think the bigger question, and I was just talking to a client about this the other day, but there's a difference between hearing no and hearing an objection. And this is a lot of what I teach my clients is how to navigate things like, I don't have the money right now. I can't afford it. Or it's not the right time. I'm too busy. Or, or I got to think about it. So the reality is those are objections. That's not a no. A no is when they say, I don't like you. I don't like your program. I think it sucks. Like that's a no. Anything else, anything else outside of that is just an objection. So when it comes to follow-up, there is structure to that. I highly recommend following up with people, especially when they're, they're saying things like, no, but no. And like, I, I can't do it because I don't have money. Those are just objections. So I highly recommend following up with people if they are giving you objections uh, and the right time to know, to, to stop or know, know when no is no, <laughs> know when to not follow up with somebody is when they say, I don't like you. I don't want, I, I don't want your program because it's not good for me or it's not a fit for me. That's when you can really say, okay, that's, we're all sovereign beings. We all have choice. But what I notice gets coaches stuck and then literally they're losing money left and right is when they hear an objection or they hear, I can't afford it. And they take that for face value because all objections are, are limiting beliefs. All objections are, are limiting beliefs. And I'll just say this because I feel like this is the space I could say this, but we all know that abundance and resource is right there. It's right there for all of us to access if we're willing. So a lot, the biggest mistake I see coaches make is not actually believing that people are capable or resourceful. And I think it really is a disservice to humanity to think that people can't find resource or they can't explore. And, and I'm, I'm also going to be to say this because I, I feel like I can, I'm a, I'm a woman of color and there's a lot of beliefs generationally, culturally that we get to change. So, um, I really believe it starts with us standing in the fire, standing in the fire with our clients and believing that we are all humans are capable, resourceful, and abundance is there if we choose to. And our job as a coach is to show them what's possible through structure, through dialogue, through communication. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I definitely agree. And I think that that's such a great way to look at it and such. And I think just so clear for people, because I think sometimes we can get caught in that, you know, where we don't want to follow up because we like, we think of it as a no, but really it's not, you know, there's, there still is that room for opportunities for them. And so I think that's a great way to look at it. And, um, you know, I think that there is some, you know, there's definitely some differences or maybe necessities in closing a high value sale. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what really is the differences with that as compared to maybe lower ticketed items, for example? Oh man, how much time do we have? Okay. So a couple things about um, the difference. 
And so I used to play this game again. Those of you who've been listening can just hear that I would try to sell low ticket and I'll make it really accessible and everybody will want to buy. I will tell you from experience personally and teaching clients, if you could sell a high ticket program, it is just as much energy, if not less than trying to sell to 50 people. If I could sell one program at $3,000 versus trying to find 30 people at a, you know, at a thousand or whatever, then you're putting in just as much work, literally, and if not arguably more work. So the key here, and this is why I really encourage coaches to charge more is you're spending just as much energy, if not more charging less, which is seems bonkers, but it is. So again, I think the biggest way and the biggest distinction in being able to charge more is number one, understanding that you're working just as hard and just as much anyway, start trying to sell low ticket stuff. So why not get more structure? Why not understand how? And this is probably, if you're listening, you're like, well, hell Claire, what do I do? I have a challenge coming up, a training a hear yes without hesitation to teach you some of the basics you need to know more in depth about how to start charging more and hear yes. The key is you don't know how yet. You probably don't know how to have those conversations. And here's how we grow is in understanding that, you know, I certainly wasn't taught how to sell when I got my cert- my certification in yoga. I was certainly not taught how to sell when it came to getting my personal training certificate. And I I wasn't taught any of those things. So if you're like, well, how, 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 it's about getting curious and open and learning the how. So uh, again, it's really about your belief system. Do you believe you're worthy of charging more? Do you believe and understand that you're putting just as much time, energy, and work in serving all these people when all you really need is just a handful to have 10K a month? And it's, again, it boils down to value. Yes, absolutely. I definitely agree. I think that's such great advice. And I know that's something a lot of entrepreneurs or business owners I've talked to that struggle with. And I think one of the, some of those posts I've seen recently too, where it shows, okay, if you want to make this much money, here's how many of, you know, whatever the ticket is. And then really, I think that helps put it into such great perspective, you know, because when you, like you said, when you're looking at it, if you have to sell to 300 people to make what you were wanting to, like, it really just helps you get that bigger picture. And you know, another question too, I actually post this on social media, see sort of what people have troubles with in terms of sales. And so the biggest response in sort of the challenges they've had is reaching out to potential clients. And so can you maybe give some advice or insights on, you know, making that first move? Because I think that can be scary or it can be, you know, how do you even go about that? Do you have any sort of insights on that? Yes. So reaching out to potential clients, and this is, this is one you can take to the bank, write this down. Don't make it weird. (laughs) I, I were laughing and I'm laughing because number one, I used to make it really weird. I used to make it really weird to reach out to clients and or potential clients. And I often see this with my clients. They start exploring how to do this and just don't make it weird. At, at the end of the day, all you're doing is talking to somebody. All you're doing is building a relationship. 
So if you're going into these conversations with I'm in it for me mentality, like I need you to buy my thing, that's not going to end well. They're going to feel on an energetic level. And this is like, you know, energy. They're going to feel that. And people can, they can feel it. Like go, imagine going to a bar. I'm sure we've all done this. And a person approaches you and you know, they're just trying to get theirs. You know, it just, you can feel it right away. And it's the same thing when we try to approach potential clients with me first mentality. So when you start conversations and there is, you know, skill set with that, there is tact with that. But ultimately, let's just talk from an energetic level. You have to just go in there being willing to get to know somebody without attachment. And I'll just use this in a, in a dating romantic sense. And I know I've experienced this where I was, I'll just say it, desperate for connection in relationship. And I would meet great guys. But at the end of the day, my desperation would turn people off. It just would. And it wasn't until I got really clear that I'm just committed to getting to know people. I am dating. This is fun. And just be open to that. That's where I actually was open enough to meet my husband. And in, in the worst dating city, they say in the United States, which is Denver, which I, I don't agree with, but that's all your mindset. But again, it's really about don't make it weird. Just be open to connecting and, and getting to know somebody because you really don't know if they need you. The only way you'll know is by having conversations and getting to know them and connecting person to person. So when it comes to reaching out, rule of thumb, don't make it weird. Yes, absolutely. Well, I think that's such great advice and and a great way to go about it. Because I know I think I'm sure we can all think of a time when someone has reached out like with that and you know going straight for the sale. And like you said, you don't even know if they need that before. And so I think that the re- creating that relationship beforehand is so important. And I know that's probably one mistake people might make when selling. But is there sort of one common mistake that you know you really see people make, or just the biggest mistake people can make? You know, just when making a sale in general. Yeah. I mean, I touched on a couple of them. One is not valuing yourself, trying to to sell low ticket things, trying to figure it out on your own. But it really, what I noticed really holds people back is that they go into it trying to wing it. Winging it is a terrible way of getting sales and making your business successful. And I am like, I'm a Sagittarius. I'm a fire sign. I am like the queen of winging it. I, you know, I could just, I could do it. And it wasn't until I realized if you don't have structure, if you don't have guidance, if you don't really understand the milestones that you have to hit, there's no way that you're going to have consistent income. So winging it seem, and, and those of you who are extroverted and can, you know, shoot the shit and make friends with somebody that works until it doesn't. And here, the easiest way to know that it's working until it doesn't is that you are not consistent with your income. You're not hitting your money goals consistently. So winging it, and when I say winging it is having an outline or having a script or having a guideline to have these conversations because Again, if you're just winging it, there's no way that you can track from a, from a data-driven level what is working and what's not. And you can look at any successful business out there. I don't care what service or product it is. They are tracking their metrics and seeing what is working. 
And if you don't have that, if you don't have a method to track, if you don't understand like what is working, you don't, you're just trying to wing it. You're not going to have a sustainable business. You're going to be like me. I was, you know, and, and resilience is a really great quality, but not so much when you're trying to build a business. Like I was really tolerant at being at the poverty level for a long time. And it was because I was trying to wing it. I was throwing spaghetti at the wall, trying to see what stuck. And that's what creates the inconsistency. That's what creates the, the gaps in your business where you're not seeing reaping the rewards. A hundred percent. And I, th- I think that it goes back to, to what you mentioned before about, you know, it's either a business or a hobby. And I think having that outline, like you said, in that actual plan and the goals in place is really what can makes that into a true business. Like you said, a sustainable business, which is so important. Um, and I know that you've, you've mentioned you have um, a program and you want to just tell people sort of what, what you have coming up in your business that you'd like to share. Yeah. So I've got a really good menu of things coming up. So I have a five-day free sales training. It's called Here Yes Without Hesitation. I have it around twice a year. It's five whole days with me, super intimate, where I teach you a little bit of sales psychology, what it takes and what it means when somebody says no and how to turn that around. Um, it's It's so chock full of some solid strategies that you can start implementing right away. It's super fun. You can find that on Instagram. It's Claire, C-L-A-R-E underscore Cui, C-U-I. I post about that regularly. Um, and I do, for those of you who are really ready to go, I do have um, a 90-day program that I'm happy to, to chat with you about. But usually the great place to start is with those five-day sales trainings. Um, I really love them. They're so exciting. It's live. And I'm so happy to help you get a good idea of what it really means to build a successful business. So that's what I've got coming up. And you can connect with me on Instagram to to find out more. Amazing. Well, I can't wait to see all of that to come and we'll definitely be checking that out. And one question I always love to ask us too is if there is one piece of advice that you would give to someone who's thinking of starting a business or maybe just in the very early startup stages, what sort of advice would you give to them? Oh gosh, this is a great question. You know, I think about the the people who are just starting out and I think about myself, but honestly, and I, I just want to hold space and tell you, those are that are that are listening and, and ready to do it, take the leap. Just do it. And the biggest thing I would say is ready is not a feeling. Ready is a choice. So choose to be ready. Choose to take that step because it's never going to feel like you've got all your ducks in a row. It's just like having a baby from what I hear. I don't have a baby. I have a fur baby, but not an actual baby. But you're, you're never going to feel like, like it's time. And it's really about making the choice. So choose, choose yourself, choose to stand in your value, choose to serve and be on purpose. Yes, definitely. I think that's great advice. It's it, just like that saying, um, you know, start before you're ready because you really right. don't even know what you don't know until you actually get into it. So I think that's great advice for anyone looking to start a business. And I always like to end off with just a quick, fun, rapid fire question segment. So if you just want to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Yeah. 
Okay. So owning your own business means? Freedom. If you only had two hours a day to focus on your business, what would you do? I do only have two hours a day because I have like about a six hour work day, sometimes four. Um, But I would choose money-making activities, which is uh, creating free events, which is connecting with people, having intimate conversations, which is having sales conversations. So if I only had two hours a day, those that's exactly what I do to make money. Love that. Um, someone you look up to. Oprah. A female-owned business. Closed sales consistently, owned by Claire Quee. <laughs> <laughs> um, a book you'd recommend. Ooh, The Presence Process. A lifesaver for your business. So this could be a specific platform. This could be a planner, just something that you couldn't live without. Zoom. <laughs> yes. Uh, a non-negotiable you have is? A non-negotiable willingness. You've got to be willing. So true. And the best advice you've ever received? You spot it, you got it. Love it. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Claire, for joining me here today and sharing all your wisdom. I know I learned a lot and I'm sure the listeners will as well. So thank you so much again. And I just can't wait to see all that's to come with your business. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope your listeners got a lot from this. Thanks so much for tuning in to Made It Happen Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please feel free to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. And thanks again for all your support. I'll see you next week.